I don't think there'd be too many people would be able to say at the end of the day that um, I never had a crack. All cases were attacked with uh, vigour and determination and as if it was the, the victim or the victims were my family or friends. I made it uh, a point that the people that dealt with me over 44 and a half years would know that I was fair dinkum. Out of my 44 and a half years, uh, about 38's been in the CLB. My focus has been on crime investigation, in particular homicide investigation. It was something that was, I considered the most interesting, the most challenging. When I look at the jobs, I, I suppose there's uh, words that come to mind are bizarre, gruesome, interesting, challenging and protracted. I did some investigations into murders committed by a fellow called Dennis Allen, who killed multiple people in Victoria. Did some really weird stuff like um, killed a fellow once, um, put him in a um, 44 gallon drum and used a chainsaw to try and uh, chop his legs off because his whole body wouldn't go in the barrel. He had killed uh, I'm not sure, I think it's about double figures, but um, so uh, he killed another fella um, that was at his home one night, he scratched a record, scratched one of his records, so he cracked the shit. We worked on an investigation in Bendigo when I was in the homicide squad of um, a wife um, killed her husband by uh, dosing him with arsenic over a period of time, and that was a very difficult, complex investigation. And she was rather smart, and this fellow um, was a slaughterman, and he worked at uh, a piggery, and um, doctors thought he had a disease called leptospirosis, and just in brief, leptospirosis is a, is a disease or an infection you get, um, and it's common to uh, abattoir workers where they you know, cut animals open and uh, cut the sometimes cut the piss bag and the, they can get sprayed with it and what they can get is this leptospirosis but what what the doctors thought was this fellow had leptospirosis he old when he died they did more thorough um, tests on him and found it wasn't leptospirosis the symptoms are very similar but his wife had been dosing him with uh, arsenic over a period of time some of the murders were domestic violence did one one time we got called to uh, the disappearance of a fella in Ballarat and, um, and uh, people, other police thought it was suspicious or about the wife was coming up with about three different stories as to what happened um, to her husband and uh, we decided that maybe the best um, course of action would be that I'd go and speak with her and see what so what would eventuate? Well, we spoke to this lady, and it took about 30 seconds. She was very direct, and I remember I sat in the back seat of the police car with her, and I said, "Oh, we're here about your husband." And um, I said, "I think you've killed him." And she said, um, "She said, yeah, Brandon, I did." And uh, I said, "What did you do?" She said, "I shot the car." She said, "Oh, I'll put him in the garden." And I said, "Oh." I said, can you go and show us, show us where he is now? And she said, yeah. She said, but there's a bit of problem that um, he's decomposed and the rats have got at him. Mm -hmm. And um, so 
it was rather an interesting, uh, and uh, with it was a bit of humour, of course, because she was rather directed, she'd been mm. subjected to really high in domestic violence, so um, that was an interesting job. She was able to get off that fall uh, at yep. the court. One of the uh, first murders I worked on too in the homicide court was a, the murder of an Inichuka person. Back in about 1982, a chap called Sue Lango uh, was a retired elderly fella. Uh, went out fishing in uh, Murray on his own one day and um, a, a fella come across him and subsequently murdered him. He wanted his motor car, he'd left a farm, he'd left a farm in Yarrawea and um, he come across the farmer and made a very quick decision to steal his motor car so he waited until the fisherman come up to the bank, got out of his boat and engaged in some conversation with him and he then uh, decided to shoot him uh, with a 22 rifle that had, had telescopic sights on it mm. and he um, shot him uh, to the head once uh, and that uh, dropped the fire and he then uh, shot him a second time and put him out of his misery yeah. and he tried to say that at the time he fired the second shot the body was in the water and essentially New South Wales so he's trying to avoid oh. being dealt with in Victoria. I worked on that case and um, actually that case um, was dealt with at Shepparton Supreme Court and it eventually went to the High Court and it's uh, the binding sort of case that decides the the board between uh, Victoria and New South Wales. You know, in my work here now, uh, we deal with a lot of cross-border stuff, so it was interesting, you know, when I had to face a panel to come up here, they asked me questions about my knowledge of um, uh, the board between Victoria and New South Wales. Yeah. Little, little did they know that I knew it all along, yeah. because I'd caused the high, I was involved in the high court decision. Yeah. So yeah. it was a bit of, yeah. At nearly just about every station I've been involved in, I've uh, had to deal with the death of a colleague that's taken their own life. Um, when I was in the homicide squad, one of my uh, sergeants uh, took his own life through um, you know, the pressures that were involved in mm. a very high profile investigation and couldn't deal with that, so he took his life. challenging sort of stuff but with it can come some uh, I suppose side effects that you've mm. got to deal with and, mm. and look that's that's I suppose part of part of police work. Because you worked in such an interesting environment people would want to speak about uh, the nature of your work or ask you stuff so even when you're off duty mm. you would find people would be speaking about the jobs that they saw you're involved in. Um, people wouldn't want to speak about it I suppose at home and the difficulty mm. I had is I didn't want to uh, talk about it at home and I uh, pretty much played sport so I would try and make sure that yeah, pretty full on the sport. One thing that uh, with this line of work and with detective work in particular is a lot of people don't realise it. We would work an, an eight hour, ten hour day and then we'd be on call. So you'd be on call uh, and, and you could invariably, you're getting regularly called out so you would go or try and go home and it would have happened that you'd even get called out before you got home. On your mm. way home you'd be called to 
to something you're called to jobs all over the state. You know, I suppose they give um, service medals to us, but you know, in my situation, my wife certainly the, the shit that she's had to put up with over the years, you know, dealing with um, um, my work situation is, uh, you know, it, it's remarkable. I had the benefit of having someone that she was really supportive of and interested in um, the line of work that I did, so mm -hmm. she understood. When we lived in Bendigo, uh, some offenders decided to target um, me and uh, my house, which was uh, a little bit off limits to most people. So when I wasn't at home and uh, my wife was there, she was, uh, she's a very vigilant person. She's able to take car numbers. Uh, they decided to ruin our lawn, drive intentionally over the garden, but there was examples of how you on, how you work sometimes impacted on your family. When I was a uh, first aid detective at Broadmeadows, um, I worked on a kidnapping case and very early into that kidnapping case, a uh, person came into the police station and indicated to us made a statement to the effect that uh, um, some of the people involved in that uh, investigation were planning to kill me. So. Um, uh, for some months and for some time after that I uh, got authority to be armed so that was the um, the commencement of once your career progresses and you're involved in some serious stuff you do then um, uh, be subjected to serious yeah. uh, death threats I suppose and mm -hmm. threats by people that really do have the capabilities and the desire to uh, do your significant mm -hmm. harm. knowing that that's, that's a possibility. And some of the people that I've yeah. uh, been involved in arresting have, <laughs> have clearly uh, had a dislike for me. Yeah, investigated a lot of, lot of rapes and sexual assaults. Prior to going into the police force, I hadn't had any exposure whatsoever to crime and that sort of thing. My family were... Yeah people that were law-abiding citizens yeah. and, you know, um, weren't that way disposed. So um, what I did to get into the CLB part of it was to um, go to areas where there were extremely high crime rates and uh, high crime rates so that I could learn and get an exposure to as much uh, variety as possible. The experience I've, I've uh, gained in my 44 and a half years is probably quite quite a lot more than most police have seen in two or three lifetimes, you know. You see all um, ends of the scale, you see all ranges of the spectrum and, and the difficulty is you, because you deal with um, so much depravity and so much lawlessness, you've got to be careful of, it completely poisoning your mind and there is a, uh, there's a lot of reasons, a lot of varied reasons why people get into crime so, and that's one of the things you learn by being a detective over as many years as I have is the whole range of what motivates people. Committing crime is, is varied, you know, and some are uh, born into crime, mm. some have crime bestowed on them, some are 
you know, and find it by accident. Some are forced into it. The office here is involved in fighting the, the crime, trying to, you know, really pull down the crime rates around capacity. It's risen at a level that, you know, has been really disappointing. I, I remember when I first uh, arrived here in 2011, I said to someone, uh, you know, what's the what's the um, what's the rate of uh, things like armed robberies here and someone said to me oh it's not too bad you'll probably get one armed robbery every six months and uh, i'll never forget that in um, my first week there were two armed robberies both service stations on the northern highway were um, uh, held up and um, you know we haven't haven't found offenders for that. I then started to realise that uh, very early on that we had an organised um, rural crime issue mm -hmm. and we had things like John Deere uh, tractors being stolen on a, on a very organised basis. We had uh, farms being broken into, firearms stolen and the um, uh, landscape of what crime is around here is a little bit more involved. Uh, the person themselves has got to have the desire to you know, remove themselves from a crime environment and that's that can be another component, the lack of mental yep. resolve and a lot of those people that cause them to go back. But typically we're coming out trying to get employment and that can be hurdles that they don't want to overcome so it's easy to go back into crime and it pays pretty well in the short term. I still get contacted um, uh, with respect to jobs that are 20 and 30 years old and uh, I've got matters still in the wind. I know that um, cases I've worked on are still being uh, investigated by a cold case as we speak. I expect some further phone calls in the future but it's interesting your emotions about it because you hope that if it is solved, that you, it, it's not something that you might have overlooked before, you know, and um, you just hope that you, you've done, you've covered everything as best you can. When we worked back in 1982, DNA wasn't an issue. DNA wasn't a forensic uh, tool. So it's not something that we were uh, predominantly looking for other things other than DNA. So a lot of our original exhibits and all that sort of stuff uh, you know it's now getting retested and all that sort of stuff so the advances in, in uh, DNA evidence is something that's really come ahead and leaves and bounds and back at back at some stage we had a thing called six hour realtor so which meant that people in custody had to be dealt with in six hours which was quite ridiculous. to any crime I was investigating, I, I always had the adage that uh, I would attack it with a, a vigour and a determination as if it was the, the victim or the victims were my family or friends. So I always wanted investigators that I work with to, to attack it in the same way. Mm. So I, I made it uh, a point that the people that dealt with me over 44 and a half years would know that I was fair income and know that they got their value uh, for money. I don't think there'd be too many people would be able to say at the end of the day that um, I never had a crack.
I'm not uh, retiring because I'm better and twisted. I'm not retiring because I hated the job. I'm retiring because I've run out of gas. Because of what I've done and how I've done it for 44 and a half years, and the, the gas in my tank's gone. <laughs>